We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Uh, out of ideas for ways to start this podcast. Yes, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm almost to the point of just stealing other people's catchphrases uh, to start the podcast. All right, before we get started, I have a couple of recommendations for people. I like to just, you know, throw out my own two cents because everybody's looking for, you know, everybody's time is precious. They don't want to waste it on anything bad. So uh, here we go. Uh, movies. We just saw uh, Charlie Wilson's War. And, uh, it just, uh, it's an, it's a lovely movie. It's, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Julia Roberts, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it's all about this guy who, uh, he was a, a congressman from Texas and he, uh, decided that he would help fund the war in Afghanistan when the Afghanis were fighting the Russians. There you go. But it's a lovely movie, and they don't whitewash anything, and, and the, the dude drinks all the way through the entire movie. Uh, but it's, it, you know, it's not super fast. There are no gunfights, no explosions, but it moves faster than, you know, your average talkie movie. So anyway, I recommend that. For those of you who like to play video games, uh, I've been playing Time Shift, which has been a lot of fun uh, because it's uh, sort of uh, Half-Life 2 uh, in that sort of, you know, you do some puzzle solving and some shooting in the face uh, and then some jello pudding pops. And, uh, you know, you and then yet there's a strong puzzle element to it as well. I highly recommend it. Time shift. And, oh, what's great about it, too, is you can get it for like 10 bucks. So 10 bucks for the PC, I think 20 bucks for uh, the PlayStation or Xbox. Uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> a lot of things been going on lately. Uh, let's just uh, start right in it with the Health Watch. For those of you listening to the last few podcasts, uh, they think now uh, that uh, what I have is asthma. So I guess good news, we know what it is. Bad news, it's asthma. And it, I guess it's not that bad. Like I never feel, you know, shortness of breath or any of that stuff. But it's annoying, um, I, you know, especially because we haven't really found anything to stop it. I mean, it just, you know, I'm not coughing anymore, but but I have to clear my throat a lot, which makes it really tough to do, well, I don't know, a podcast, a job interview. I mean, you know, well, pretty much anything in which talking is required. So yet again, I have uh, no topic this week, but I've got a lot of stuff that's happened, Um so, uh, I'm not 40 just yet, but I'm, I'm coming up there, uh, next month, and I'm definitely acting old. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I've been unemployed for a while. And, um, I called, uh, the city yesterday to complain about road signage. I think I've been a hundred years old for most of my life, and uh, the fact that uh, people on Facebook are posting their Burning Man photos, yeah, that just really drives home. Uh, but you know what? I've never been interested in Burning Man, even when it started, like, oh gosh, it's probably been, you know, 15 years or whatever. I don't mind 
a conglomeration of dirty hippies. Okay, not my favorite thing, but if I had to do it, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll put it with some dirty hippies, you know, to have a good time. The desert in August. Again, cannot imagine a more miserable time. And then, you know, you're going to chalk it full of dirty hippies. Uh, that's just, you know, that's going to be insult to injury. And you know what, Burning Man organizers, I get it. I get that why you have it in August, because, you know, school's not in session, and most of the people who are going to this are probably school age, although I really don't think most of them are in college. No, I, I don't think really most of the people who are going to Burning Man actually attend college, but um, I, but you know what's so crazy is, Burning Man is insanely expensive, right? Because they've, you know, over the years, they've developed infrastructure because they don't want people dying. Oh, that's weird. Um, and why would they die, you ask? Oh, because it's 120 degrees in the desert in the middle of the day, and some dumbass probably forgot to bring his water. So now that they have, now that they have infrastructure, right? So they got to charge for it. And they've, you know, fenced off the area and the whole thing. It's like, I think the cheap price is like $300. And then the, you know, expensive, you know, if you can afford it, it's even more. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I'm going to spend $300 so I can sweat my balls off in the desert with a bunch of weirdos. Oh, and you wonder why I don't want to go. Huh. So um, it is, uh, today is uh, September 11th, 9-11. Uh, and, uh, you know, on Facebook, there was a bunch of people saying, you know, 9-11, never forget. And, uh, of course, I forgot it was 9-11. But, of course, you know, once, once I re- re- remembered it was September 11th, I was like, oh, all right. No, I mean, it's not like I'm – do we really need never forget? I mean, you know, there were, there were either those people who were not alive or those people who lived through it. So either you lived through it and you know you're never going to forget it, or you never knew it, so you have to be told about it. it I mean, who, who is forgetting 9-11, right? Like, it's just such a stupid slogan, because it's like, oh, oh, that thing where all those people died? Pfft, who cares? Maybe, maybe, maybe the slogan should be, uh, 9-11, you really should still give a shit. You know, I mean, who who is who is blowing this off? And especially now, you know, it's it's not even ten years. Are there people who are like, uh, we're not in war, we're not in war anymore? So anyway, the slogan is never forget. So anyway, the reason I bring this up is because uh, one of my Facebook friends, and by the way, that's a really good way to uh, couch everybody. Is it's like, are they? Are they really your friends? No, they're just Facebook friends. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's uh, somebody I knew in high school, but really didn't really know. I just really wanted to see pictures of her. That was pretty much it. I was like, hey, I wonder how she's holding up. Oh, I can't tell. Any- what is that? Uh, your, your profile picture's your dog. That's a little Norm MacDonald there. Hey, what's that there? You got the... It's a dog. Uh, who wants uh, Who wants that? So, uh, of course, I had to become friends with her so I could see uh, what she's up to. And, um, and so she, she was running a 5k today, the, you know, never forget 5k. And then, um, two people below that, I had, uh, an ex-coworker 
and she's running a 5K for Alzheimer's. Oddly enough, the slogan for that uh, was always forget. There you go. And, that, you know, it's, what's, uh, what's great is um, most of that is true. Okay, so uh, I was having trouble sleeping last night, as I usually do when I drink a lot frequently in a row, and I realized the next big innovation, right? Force field technology. Now, I understand, uh, you know, they, they just invented a tractor beam that uh, can move particles around with just a laser. Okay, small step. But hear me out. Force field technology will totally revolutionize the sex doll industry. That's right. Now, let's get into this. So, let's say you got a sex doll, okay? Uh, first of all, very expensive. And you've got one, but let's say, oh, I don't know, um, you get bored of that one, and uh, you want another one. Well, that's another whole bunch of money. But... With force field technology, we could use the force field and make it into a sex doll. Then you could apply uh, visuals to the force field and then make it whatever you wanted, right? And let's say you do get a second sex doll. Then, you know, there's the uh, shipping and uh, unboxing and, and it comes in that huge crate. And then, you know, it's sitting in the middle of your living room and then your friends are coming over and they're saying, hey, man, did you order a refrigerator? And you're like, no, I ordered a sex doll. And they're like, shit, man, what's it still doing in the crate? If I got a sex doll, that thing would be unboxed within the day. And he's like, well, dude, I already got one sex doll. If I just want to have it, I want to have it. But, you know, this thing takes time and you got to assemble it. And I go, but the hair on it and I'm gonna put the vagina in it. Yes, not kidding. You have to assemble your sex doll. But with force field technology, yeah, I'm assuming something that looks kind of like a suitcase. You just hit the button, you pick out, you know, all the dimensions you want, you customize it, and, and, and you could save your, you know, 20 different profiles if you wanted. So on a whim, you could be like, I feel like having sex with Julia Roberts. Boom! Call her right up. And what's even cooler than that is you could probably imprint it with some, um, you know, simple algorithmic routines. So you could be like, oh, hey, um, I am a porn actress and I want my fans to feel like they're really having sex with me. So, you know, uh, I will record all my noises and, and do all this stuff. And, and, uh, so, and then you can download that as well as the images. And then we could open a whole boutique business of like hot girls at the office who were like, Hey, you know, I don't really want to have sex with you, but, uh, you can have sex with my force field sex doll algorithmic girlfriend. And that's not creepy, right? You know, it's things like this that make me think I was born too early. Because those kids with their force field sex dolls, they're not going to be able to relate. And do you know how heavy a sex doll is and how hard it is to put it into another position? I mean, it's like you don't even want to. It's like, hey, I guess I'll just bang you from behind. And imagine, I mean, you can't even put a sex doll really on you because they don't go up and down. They just sort of sit there surprised. So you'll have almost no choice but to do them from behind. And if that's not your favorite position, well, I guess you're out of luck. Huh. So speaking about of luck, I, uh, I uh, recently went to uh, Santana Row in uh, San Jose, and 
I have discovered that is douchebag capital of the Bay Area. I mean, it's really, it's really strange. Like, sure, there's lots of douches in uh, San Jose, but uh, it, it almost seems like the douchebags were championing for their own homeland, like they were, you know, wandering through the desert saying, where can we live? We've been rejected from Oak Ridge Mall. Where can we go? And San Jose said, fine, we will give you this crappy piece of land uh, for four city blocks, and you shall call it your own! Set my people free! And it is nothing but douchebags. Now, let's be clear. A-, a lot of internet terms get thrown around. They're unclear. And and really the problem with them, with most internet terms, is they get co-opted, right? Or not co-opted, but they get beaten down to the point where they've lost their original meaning. For instance... Take Jump the Shark for, for, for an instance. Jump the Shark originally meant um, a TV show that is losing viewership. It's, it's, the quality is going down. They need to do a big stunt to uh, you know g- get people excited about the show again and get them to pull in. And then, of course, once the big stunt is over, then you're just sort of like, oh, we're just left with this shitty TV show. Okay. Okay. And usually, you know, and in its classic term, Jump the Shark obviously is in reference to uh, Fonzie jumping the shark tank in the Happy Days episode, uh, where that really was like a big stunt. Um, More often than not, it's usually uh, a couple on a show decides to have a baby. And so that's a a much more long, drawn-out stunt. But really what happens is, you know, and this happened to Mad About You, which a TV show I absolutely loved. Once they had the baby, it was just sort of like, oh, well, now what do we do? And, And a lot of times, they would just conveniently not have the baby in the show. Okay. But anyway, so Jump the Shark, really, a lot of people have sort of just pointed to anything that happens in a TV show. Oh, that Jump the Shark. Well, no, it didn't. Like, a lot of people point to, um, oh, speaking of having a baby, Mork and Mindy having uh, Jonathan Winters as their baby, uh, which was fantastic. But, you know, knee-jerk reaction, it's the internet. You know, people just want to talk for the sake of talking. Oh, Jonathan Winters, boom, oh, jump the shark, nah. No, no, that show got better with Jonathan Winters. But the reason I bring up Jump the Shark is, if you haven't seen it, uh, this week... Uh, the writer of the Jump the Shark episode of Happy Days wrote an article in the LA Times. It's on the LA Times website, and it's called, like, In Defense of Jump the Shark. And um, he he's basically, I mean, it's it's really the greatest case of sour grapes you've ever seen in your life. It's like, you know, it's just, it's just a whole, it's a three-page article of basically him going, no, it's not. It's good. I tell you, it's good. It really is good. And, you know, his, 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 all his arguments in it are just stupid. Like, it's, it's things like, well, the show continued on for several seasons afterwards, you know, therefore, in his mind, that means it's a good show. No, it's not. It just means it wasn't canceled yet. But, I'm not going to read the whole article for you. You really should check it out. It's on the LA Times website. Um, but my favorite, the one part I will read for you, it's on the third page, uh, third paragraph from the bottom. He says, 
Fortunately, my career didn't jump the shark after jump the shark. When Happy Days ended, I went directly to the ABC Paramount hit show, wait for it, Webster. And after that, wait folks, it gets better, wrote and produced, among others, It's Your Move, okay, He's the Mayor, so bad I've never even heard of it, The New Leave It to Beaver, and runner-up to the worst television show of all time, second only to the aforementioned Webster, Family Matters. Did I do that? Yes, Urkel, you did. So I love that this stellar resume that this man has provided for us. Like, he's so delusional that he thinks these are really great shows. This just goes to show, like, they should have just put this art of, this bit of the article up front and going like, alright, this guy's clearly insane. If you, th- you know, th- th- here's why. He thinks these are good shows. Okay, now you can discount everything he's just about to say. Oh, so anyway, getting back to douchebags. So, um, I've been reading the website Hot Chicks with Douchebags a lot, and, you know, I get it. You know, uh, he's desperate to provide new content every day. So, you know, the <laughs> a lot of times the douchebags are not so douchey and the chicks ain't so hot. But, uh, you know, he hey, look, I mean, I, I told you from the beginning of this podcast, there would be a lot of premise stretching, you know, just like This American Life, how they, you know, not exactly on topic, but we're gonna just, you know, don't uh, look behind the curtain kind of stuff. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, the way he writes Hot Chicks with Douchebags, it, it, a lot of those guys are not that douchey. They're just standing next to hot chicks, and then they get lumped into being a douchebag. Although there was one case in a court of law, which I find endlessly fascinating, is a guy sued him, the douchebag guy, um, by saying that it was defamation of character to imply that he was a douchebag, and the judge found him to be a douchebag. How awesome is that? Found him in a court of law to be a douche. That's got to be a blow to uh, your self-esteem, I would think. But anyway, so here's my definition of a douchebag. It's a guy who spends a ton of time on a really shitty look, right? I mean, it's a guy who, it's obvious he spent a, a ton of time on this and his hair is all gelled up and kind of a rooster comb and uh you know he's got stupid tattoos all over him and he's wearing you know pre-ripped clothing and it's like wow is this this is a shitty shitty look you've developed here my friend my friend okay john mccain not a douchebag so the really puzzling thing that always got me with the hot chicks with douchebags website was you know, why are these women with these douchebags? 
And I get it. You know, a lot of those guys on that site are, you know, big muscle bound guys. And there are definitely a lot of women who like that. And I really wouldn't even call them douchebags. They're just a guy who spends a bunch of time in the gym. Nah, not really a douchebag, I guess. But I, I look at that website and I'm like, well, why are these women with these douchebags? You know, it, it, I, I felt it was an aberration until I went to Santana Row. Sure enough, all the douchebags were accompanied by uh, reasonably hot chicks. I mean, certainly uh, I've seen, uh, you know, less hot chicks on the Hot Chicks with Douchebags website. So um, it, it it's I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand why a woman would be with a guy who spends more time in the bathroom than she does. Is that really, you know, there's that great line from uh, Fight Club. Is that what a man looks like? <laughs> uh, self-improvement is masturbation. And it's ridiculous. I mean, they, they don't even look like men anymore. They look like product. Just this swimming, walking, stupid thing of product. And you're just like, I don't even see a person in there. I see spray tanner and hair gel. Hey, gel. I'm wondering if, like, you know, the so the hot chicks I was uh, uh, observing with the douchebags, like, they're all, you know, scantily clad and short skirts and uh, super high heels. Are they like the douches? Of the female world. Now, try and stay with me here. Let's see if we, I, I can make this make sense. I look at the hot chicks, and I think, that is a hot chick. Anybody would enjoy having sex with her. I look at the douches with their Dolce Gabbana wraparound, almost female glasses with their frosted tips and their skinny jeans, and I think, you are a douche. What? Who? Why would anybody want to have sex with you? But it's almost like these two are made for each other. Because you know they both spend a ton of time on this look. And I'm sure that most women look at these, oh, let's just call them whores, and think, these women are total sluts. Um, they dress like this because, you know, they want dudes to stare at them. They're not interesting. They scream desperate. Maybe they are the, maybe they are the female douche. Yet, okay, so now here's the crazy part. Yet, I look at them and think, well, anybody would like to have sex with them. But I look at the dude and I think nobody would want to have sex with them. But maybe women are looking at the douches and saying, oh, no, I'd totally have sex with that guy. I mean, look, he's all put together. He's got a good fashion sense. And so maybe it's just a gender divide. Maybe I can't appreciate the douche. I can sort of look at dudes and, like, I can't really judge whether they're attractive or not, but based on history, I'd be like, well, let's see, he kind of looks like Brad Pitt. I know women find Brad Pitt attractive, so therefore he must be attractive. There. But the douche... I don't really have any sort of benchmark for, well, he's a successful douche that I've always heard women say how much they like him. I don't know. Maybe he's attractive. Maybe not. Maybe he's just a douche. I tell you, folks, this whole douche conundrum has got me stymied. Okay, so this is my third attempt to try and talk about this trend in video games I've been noticing 
Um, but I haven't really been able to find a way to make it uh, relatable to people who don't play video games. Um, and maybe, maybe you know what, non-video gamers suffer a little bit. It's not going to last very long, and uh, you know, maybe I'll find something along the way. So here goes, uh, try number three. So I've been playing a lot of uh, video games lately, and, you know, video games are not like movies, right? Where you can make a movie inexpensively, uh, you know, you can uh, release it on DVD, you rent it on Netflix for nothing, you know, just as part of your membership, it kind of sucks, you're like, okay, enough of this, you send it right back. You know, there's there's just so much more in investment in a video game, right? So there's, you know, a, a ton of money that you have to put into it because, you know, you've got programmers and 3D modelers and and uh, 2D artists and all this stuff. And it's just, you know, none of those jobs are really like, I mean, to find one person who does all of that, very rare. And sure, there's, you know, some independent video games that get made every now and again, but it's, you know, not a lot. And the Certainly the ones that are good are few and far between, but lately I've been noticing some big budget games that just suck. It just sucks so hard, and and it's all because they're doing the same thing that we've seen a thousand times, and it's, and it's crazy because they don't, uh, I mean, you know, it's this, it's, it's slightly different, right? So rather than a guy running in space with a gun, um, it's a dude running on a mystical planet with a gun that looks like a wolf. And no, I'm not kidding. It would be like uh, if they remade every movie every year and then just put different actors in them. You know, it'd be like if Willy Wonka came out every year and, you know, rather than Gene Wilder, here's Johnny Depp. And rather than Johnny Depp, here's Hugh Laurie. And rather than Hugh Laurie, it's, um, well, me. So, you know, it's like, guys, fellas, it's not a different game if the only thing you've done is change the design of the gun, right? Hey, the bad guys look different. Yeah, but they still kind of act the same way. They don't really do anything differently. They just kind of charge at you and you shoot them. Really? Not that much different. So, come on, game manufacturers. Get get it together, you know? Uh, and, and maybe the big uh, reveal will be that you just go out of business, right? Fine. Hey, nobody will buy your stupid game. You'll go out of business. We'll all be happy. And that's the other thing, too, about games, is if you really want people to buy them, you know, games are 50, 60 bucks. I mean, who, you know, and, and we have these demos available to us. It's not like we're sitting at home reading, you know, game review magazines, and you can just uh, bribe those guys with some hookers and blow, because you know what? If you are going to try and pay off some somebody with a hooker, video game reviewers have got to be the prime candidate, right? You know, that's that whole thing when in Entourage, uh, back in season one, I guess, um, they have to, uh, pay off their version of the guy who runs Ain't It Cool News. And so they hook up with, uh, Jesse Jane and they have her screw him in his room and then he changes his review. Uh, you know, that, that would be, and, and, you know, maybe they should do that. Maybe should they, should, maybe that's the new tactic of the video game manufacturer is, fellas, I know 
We've made the same game every year for three years. So this year, uh, what will the gun look like? How about a mackerel? Mackerel gun. Perfect. Uh, now, uh, we have the list of reviewers. How are stable of whores? They're pretty good. They're ready to go, sir. Apparently, that's uh, when you don't get to see the daylight all that often. That's what your voice uh, turns into. Well, okay. I would say third time's a charm. That made some sense. Oh, and I, one other thing I want to say is, um, ev- you know, it seemed like everything that I loved uh, that I mentioned about Bioshock in the games episode of this podcast completely ignored by the, the video game makers today, right? Like, you know, everything I love about that game is it's just very, um, you know, they did new things, they went new places, and uh, it's, it feels like everybody just turned and looked at Bioshock and went, yeah, okay, good for you. Now then, a uh, mackerel gun, how is that going to look? It's going to look like a mackerel. Hmm. Johnson, get me some pictures of mackerels. Here we go. Yeah, it's like nobody tries anything new or, or even has the idea of maybe we should do something new. It's almost as if they're just like, Screw it, man. This is what people want. They want the same thing every week, every year. So one of the medications I'm on now, I'm on like three or four medications. One of them is leaving a very odd taste in my mouth, and I'm, I can't get rid of it. It doesn't matter if I brush my teeth or what I eat. It tastes kind of like perfume. And, and now the nose spray, the nose spray I'm using is kind of cool because it smells like uh, jasmine. Uh, not Jasmine the Flower, uh, Jasmine Guy from A Different World. She also played um, the uh, cop on Dead Like Me. It smells like her. Don't ask me how I know that. And when I say smells like her, of course, I mean the nape of the neck, not the vajayjay. I didn't know her that well. I mean, she's not dead. It's just, uh, you know, we just don't really talk much anymore. But the smell of her nape still sticks with me. Now, to be clear, when they're in the song Summer Breeze, and it's uh, blowing through the jasmine in my mind, that's actually the flower. Uh, Yeah, so I just, I I don't want anybody to be uh, confused about those two. It actually might be the Hugo Boss cologne I put on yesterday, because I ran out of deodorant. And I was like, well, I'll, uh, you know, one of those French salt lick deodorants, I'll rub that on and then I'll just spray a little Hugo down the center of me. And I took a shower, but I don't know, maybe I didn't get it all off because I can still smell it and I'm still tasting it, I think. Ugh. Anyway, hmm, maybe I need another shower. Oh, by the way, uh, for those of you uh, who are curious, I put up on the blog uh, the picture from Entourage and the naked pictures of Perry Reeves. Um, so go check those out. Uh, UGTV.org. Click on the uh, blog button. Should be right near the top. All right. So it's been a couple of days uh, since I started this. And really, this episode of the podcast really demonstrates the whole idea of I have no topic here. I mean, I'm all over the place now, and, and really nothing lasts more than a couple of seconds. So, hey, look, good news. If you get tired of anything I have to say, well, just hang on a second. Just 
Wait for it. It'll just uh, cruise right on by and you won't even notice it. All right. I have always hated the ballet. I make no bones about it. Make no secrets about it. And look, I know there are a lot of people out there. Oh, they were big on the ballet. Oh, they loved it. Oh, Barishnikov's nutsack was mesmerizing back in the 80s. Oh, Billy Elliot. Oh, dance for me, Billy. Oh, I love you, Billy Elliot. No. I hated all of them. And I made no secret of it. So when I come out today and say, ballet is screwing up my life, you know I mean it. You know I'm not just jumping on the bandwagon late. No, sir! And let me tell you why. So uh, our, our Trader Joe's is two blocks away from us, which is fantastic. You know, when you buy a house and you move into the neighborhood, you've seen those things where the hitman is buying a, a, a house in the neighborhood and he's walking through with the real estate agent and the real estate agent says, well, we've got lovely schools in the neighborhood and the tree-lined streets are fantastic. And, and of course, all the hitman is doing is walking through trying to figure out, you know, where the highest perch is that he can, you know, pluck off the neighbor because he decided to kill them. I don't know. Anyway. No, they never mention the Trader Joe's. Uh, that would be the first thing I would mention. I mean, look, where are you guys from? Oh, yeah, I know that place. Trader Joe's access is terrible. That pharmacy you got next door is terrible. Uh-uh. This is where it's at. So anyway, we've got this Trader Joe's. And Trader Joe's, by the way, if you don't know this, Trader Joe's entire uh, business model is um, find the worst parking known to man, and set up shop, right? So uh, our, our Trader Joe's, uh, it was actually the least terrible of the parking arrangements. But, you know, it was crowded, right? There's a Marshalls, there's a TJ Maxx, uh, there was a Circuit City. I mean, it was crowded. Oh, now look, if there is a bright spot to this downturn in the economy, it is... <laughs> That Circuit City went out of business and got the hell out of that Trader Joe's parking lot. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's like it's like those Summer's Eve douche commercials where the woman just runs through the wheat and she's unencumbered by her menses or uh, gravity or her hay fever or any of that. She's just running unabashedly. Not caring at all that the neighbors are going to think she has lost her goddamn mind. No, she does not care. Because she is fresh. And that's what it's like going through that Trader Joe's parking lot. Even at 5 o'clock prime time. Still fantastic. Okay. So then, like uh, a year ago... Uh, the Halloween spirit store came in for, you know, Halloween. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. It's a little busy, you know, for like a month. Fine, okay, I'll put up with that. No big deal. Then the Maker's Fair comes in at the, uh, at the fairgrounds, which are, you know, half a mile away. Not only does Trader Joe's not prohibit people, they, it seems like they're almost welcoming the shitheads who are parking there and jamming it all up for me. But fine, fine, fine. Maker's Fair only lasts three days. 
So now, about a month ago, I see a sign come up that says, Peninsula Ballet. I figured, it's the ballet. Really? How many people give a shit about the ballet? Miriam tells me, oh, no, no, no. That's where the school is going. They're not actually going to be doing shows there. That's where all the, you know, uh, 10-year-olds with eating disorders and their uh, uh, helicopter parents are going to be day in and day out. Still, I was cavalier. I was like, ugh, who cares? It's the ballet. Nobody cares about the ballet. Well, I care about the ballet now because they're screwing up my Trader Joe's parking lot. But there still may be a good point, a high point. So, mm, gosh, I don't know how many years ago, maybe two years ago, um, uh, Tower Records went out of business. Oh, more than that. I was still, okay, like two or three years ago, Tower Records goes out of business. So like two years ago, Trader Joe's moves into the closest Tower Records to us, which was, um, you know, it's, it's not super close to my Trader Joe's, but it's close enough. It's close enough to impact the sales of my Trader Joe's. And wouldn't you know it? Guess who has the worst parking? Yes, that's right. The Tower Records, Trader Joe's. And you wonder why that stupid Trader, that Tower Records went out of business? Okay, probably internet piracy and the fact that the, inter- the record industry on a whole is going down to business, but it was probably the parking. The parking was my problem. So now, the one bright spot I have to this stupid ballet school opening up is maybe... Trader Joe's will look at the crappy parking in our area and think, well, that's our business model, right? Crappy parking. Because there was rumors, there was talk of my beloved Trader Joe's closing down that branch. And so I would have schlepped my ass over to the old Tower Records collection. No, sir! So sometimes in the middle of the night, I have some weird thoughts. And I woke up this morning thinking of this joke. Now, of course, because it's linked to my dream, there does, there's a certain buy-in to the premise and the setup. Like, whenever you have any, any dream and you're like, okay, let's just pretend, uh, Maude Adams and Ernest Borgnine are playing shuffleboard. Okay, good. Now, we're all on board with that. Let me tell you the rest of the story. Okay, so you don't have to buy in that much. Um, just the idea that uh, British police officers, they always say that thing, all right, all right, move along, nothing to see here, move along, nothing to see here. So because I have nobody else to tell this joke to, and it's not so horrible, I thought I would tell it to you. You know, a British cop uh, standing in front of... Uh, a panda bear, and he says, uh, okay, move along, move along, it's just a panda bear riding a unicycle, smoking a cigar, playing cribbage, it's just, all right, there is actually something to see here, never mind, just, okay, stand and watch, I don't care, anyone want to take pictures? Uh, look, I'll tell you what, you stand next to the panda bear, no, 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 he won't eat you, he's just, he, they only eat uh, bamboo, no, no, you, just stand next to him, I'll get you a picture, okay, smile, all right, say cribbage, Anyway, that's what I woke up with this morning. Okay, so now that we've had some fun, 
let me regale you with a tale of horror. So the other day I thought, hey, I'll make myself useful and I'll go do some weeding because Miriam, uh, she hates ants and weeds. And right now we have both of them in, uh, in high fashion. So I said, okay, I'm going to go do some weeding. So uh, I go out into the back and I, I see this enormous weed. And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to get that. I'm going to go pull it up and I'm going to feel good that I did something. I accomplished something. So I get my gloves on because it's got thistles and everything on it. And I grab it and I pull it up. And it's just enormous. The thing was probably, you know, six feet tall. And I'm taking it out to the uh, recycling uh, yard waste bin. And I must have walked through a spider web. And I was feeling the webs on me. And I'm trying to brush them off. And I feel that I'm getting some, you know, thorns or something in my neck. And I'm just trying to push them away and everything. And then I see out the corner of my eye. I'm not even sure what it was. It looked like a little flower, perhaps, because it was so brightly colored. But something in my soul said, Hey, man, that ain't no flower. So, so as calm as, as that inner monologue sounded, the reality of it was, And then uh, I, I swat uh, the flower bit or whatever away from me. And it turns out to be an enormous spider that was uh, releasing a web and sort of repelling his way down me because he realized I was weird to begin with. And I hit him and I fling him against the fence. And he was, um, I, I would say, three inches in diameter, you know, but around, you know. But And I'm counting the legs, too. I might tell you, folks... It ruined me. Totally wrecked me, right? Like, like every tickle, every uh, disturbance after that just made me think, that spider's on me! Spider's on me! Spider's on me! And uh, that's no good. It's no way to live your life. But, uh, so, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to be until I rid myself of this phantom spider pain uh, hopefully soon. All right. What an eventful, if not very peculiar podcast. Oh, from me, from the music of Bright Brown. From Total Train of Thought Consciousness. Let's do this one more time. Till then!